Almost gone are the days when department stores wraps your presents, right? In fact, I looked up this week, well, most of my shopping's online, and I guess Amazon will stick it in a bag for you that is opaque or whatever and maybe has a ribbon on it, but uh, places like Saks Fifth Avenue, Fifth Avenue, I can't even say that word because I've never been there. Uh, what's that other one uh, that's so expensive? Nordstrom's. They will wrap a present, well, according to the internet, and if you, I'm a French model if you've ever watched the internet, but um, according to the internet, $5 they will wrap a present unless you spend over 500 and then you get it wrapped for free. Well, that's a bargain, right? Those of you who spend any time around military base exchanges, and I was asking my wife if she's ever seen it outside of the military community, the naval exchange, uh, you know, the PX or the BX, whatever you want to call it, um, AFES we call it these days, I guess. But typically there was a table outside of the store. And after you'd bought your Christmas gift, you came out there and some booster club from a unit, a squadron, was wrapping the presents. And you got to give them the present. You give them what you'd purchased. They wrapped it for you, and you put some money in their donation, or maybe they actually charge you so much, probably $5, who knows. They charge you, and you, put, you get your present all wrapped, and you're ready to go. Win for you. You don't have to wrap it, and win for them. They have money for their annual Christmas party. So another good thing was sometimes they'd have very senior people working those tables, so you could go home and go, hey, guess what? The chief wrapped mine. <laughs> Probably not. If that chief wrapped it, I'm sure it would be. <laughs> or the, the, the commander wrapped mine, you know, or maybe the spouse or whatever. But that was kind of a boast factor. Well, last year I mentioned one of the greatest inventions of modern time, and that's called the gift bag. Whatever you buy, you stick it in that bag. And if you, if you want to be creative, you put a little of that foo-foo paper in there. There's no scissors, no tape required. Throw it in the bag and you're done. What's best, you can even reuse the bag if you're smart enough not to write their name on there and they give it back to you. How, ch how cheap are you, Cliff? Well, not really. So from retail wrapping to booster club wrapping to what I would call, I'm trying to find the right word for that, carefree wrapping. It's like no investment, right, whatsoever. And you might argue a gift bag is easier, yeah, and it's easier sometimes to have someone else do it. But the gift level sometimes determines the wrapping. I mean, I guess if you gave someone a car, it'd be hard to wrap, but man, you sure want to put a bow on it, wouldn't you? And you couldn't put one of the little, like, three for a dollar stick-on ones. You'd want to have a massive bow on there, wouldn't you? So, sorry, cars, mine goes strange places. But today we're talking about royally wrapped. Royally wrapped. Two men who have been in, Dan said, the shadows up to this point. Dan and I do a little, did my sermon pre-brief today. And if he was preaching it, he would say the men in the shadows. So thank you, Dan, for that. And Dan's also the one who's told me three or four times that my video won't work. And I'm like, okay, now it will work, now it won't work. We don't know. Um, <laughs> but... These two men who have been really kind of obscure characters in the Gospel of John, well, actually, Joseph of Arimathea, you've never heard until chapter 19. 
Nicodemus has been mentioned in John 3, John 7, and now here in John 19. But they've been in the dark, and they now come forward with commitment, with devotion, with a willingness to put it all, all out on the line. So let me ask you to join with me in John, the 19th chapter, as we close out at verse 38, this chapter. Last week, we talked about Jesus saying, it is finished. And I said, it's better to say, paid it all. He's paid in full our, the price of our sins. Verse 38, later, Joseph, Joseph of Arimathea asked Pilate for the body of Jesus. All four Gospels have Joseph of Arimathea asking for the body of Jesus. Now, Joseph was a disciple of Jesus, but secretly because he feared the Jews. With Pilate's permission, he came and took the body away. He was accompanied by Nicodemus, the man who earlier had visited Jesus at night. Thus, I called him Nick at night, if you remember when we preached through that. Nicodemus brought a mixture of myrrh and aloes, about 75 pounds. Taking Jesus' body, the two of them wrapped it with the spices in strips of linen. This was in accordance with the Jewish burial customs. At the place where Jesus was crucified, there was a garden, and in the garden a new tomb in which no one had ever been laid. We'll read in Matthew that that was Joseph of Arimathea's property, and it was his tomb. Verse 42, because it was the Jewish day of preparation, and since the tomb was nearby, they laid Jesus there. Would you pray with me, please? Father, as we look at a very familiar passage to most of us, if we've been raised in church, we know something about Joseph of Arimathea, that he took Jesus' body and he buried the body when no one else probably would have wanted to touch him. And here in John, he adds Nicodemus, this man who secretly, like Joseph, believed in your son. And at this point, they had to make a stand. Some would say, too little, too late. But those of us who have spent some time looking at this realize the major statement they make how it would change their life and probably their circles of friends and even their business ventures and basically become social outcasts because they recognize this was your son. Speak to us this day and help us to have that same sort of courage, that same sort of determination to connect with Jesus and to deliver unto him our hearts and our lives to be forever changed. This I pray in the name of Jesus. Amen. Now, I'm not sure that movie directors still say it, but when you hear, that's a wrap, what does that mean? Yeah. Some, as I like to look at word studies, some say it goes from, it actually is an acronym for uh, rap, reel, and print. Like, wind the reel, you know, wrap it up, and print. And it was a signal, and I, it goes back to silent movies where the director would say, that's a wrap, um, to say that it's over, it's done, and nothing more should happen. And some would say they thought that this would be a wrap for the Jews, this would be the end of Jesus. They got what they wanted. The innocent man was convicted. The innocent man died on a cross, a criminal's death, and the innocent man 
they thought was probably going to have to suffer like the rest of them, the bodies, and, you know, maybe let the vultures come and at best be thrown into a criminal's grave. But here we see that Jesus would have two men, as Frederick Beekner says, the theologian, come out of the closet. These closet Christians finally stepped out of the shadows to say, this was somebody, and we loved him, and we believe in him, and we don't want to treat him like a common criminal. So, first off, I would say that Joseph and Nicodemus had the courage to connect, and that's our first point. Matthew says he was a rich man, Joseph of Arimathea. Matthew also says it was his property that, uh, or his tomb that Jesus was buried in. Mark says he was a member of the Sanhedrin. Luke says that, like John, he was looking for the kingdom of God. In other words, he's a disciple of Jesus. No one exactly knows where Arimathea was at that time. There is an Arimathea that people have found on maps of Judah. No doubt it's somewhere close to Jerusalem, as it's alluded to in each of the Gospels, that it's not that far away where he is buried. And if Joseph actually owned the land, which I would agree that the Scripture he did, it wasn't that far of a journey. And we know it's at the end of the day. They've already asked to make sure that these people are dead. You know, the... the the season of Passover is coming, the Jews, and it's so ironic, you know, they have killed a man, an innocent man, but let's get that done so we can go celebrate, God, your deliverance. I mean, the, the, the craziness in the mindset of that day. But I like to give all these guys names. I told you I gave Nicodemus at night, Nick at night. I want to call Joe Uncle Joe. My mom and sister didn't know I was going to say, maybe I did tell them. Uncle Joe was... Uh, my dad's brother-in-law married to my dad's sister, Martha, who was very much like the Mary and Martha of the scriptures. But in any event, uh, Joe was uh, probably the kindest man I've ever met in my life. I mean, I don't think I ever heard him say a, a harsh word. I don't think I ever seen him get, you know, angry. Uh, he was just a great guy to be around. He wasn't necessarily the richest man like this Joseph of Arimathea, but what he had, he was willing to share at all times. Um, Nicodemus, you'll remember, as I said from Nick at night, he is the guy in John 3 who comes to Jesus and asks him, you know, what does it mean to be born again? Must I climb back into my mother's womb? And Jesus says, man, you're like the most educated guy in the place and you can't understand this? And of course, that had to insult, confuse, make him want to dig deeper. And then we see him in John 7, Nick at night, jumping out, when they're ready to convict Jesus there in John 7, and Nicodemus says, well, don't our own law say that everybody should have their day in court? And man, they immediately turn and look at him, and who are you, some Galilean like him? You know, you must be one of his followers. So, of course, he probably backed off again at that point. And now we see him, only here in John, joining Joseph of Arimathea. So I have Uncle Joe and Nick at night, and I'm not meaning to uh, give them any kind of disrespect by saying that. But it's interesting how the two find two different things to do, at least in the Gospel of John. Nicodemus goes and does the legal part. He goes to Pilate and says, can we have the body? I mean, could you imagine how much it took for him to go to the 
you know, basically the governor of the day and say, hey, we want this body and we'd like to bury him. And of course, in one gospel account, we find that Pilate's surprised that he's dead already and, and he has to go and have it checked. But here, uh, Pilate doesn't question and just says, okay, you can have him. Like his last way to stick it to the Jews. You want to honor this man? Then go ahead and honor him. We won't bury him like a common criminal with all the other criminals. Go ahead and give him a brand new tomb. And then... Nick at night shows up with how many pounds of spice? Translations vary, 75. Let me just say, and I'm wondering about this. So one did legal, one did more like love and action, and both of them were loving things to do for him. But have you ever tried to carry a body by yourself and then throw 75 pounds on your back as well? I'm guessing they had some help, right? They probably, as wealthy men, had some sort of servants, but let's not get too far ahead. We'll just stop right there. Think about it this way. How much do you know about the Jewish practices of the day? If you touched a dead body, could you go to church the next day? No. This is the biggest religious festival of the year, and Nicodemus is, by touching Jesus' dead body, by wrapping him and anointing him for burial, he has just made himself unclean. Joseph of Arimathea, the same thing. It says in John, these two men did the wrapping of his body. Now, when you connect with Jesus, you will take risks. And they risk it all by connecting with him in this way. There's a guy's name that I stumbled on this week, Daniel Amos. Amos, like Amos and Andy. Daniel Amos was an uh, insurance executive in the late 1990s, and he took a risk on a, a particular commercial with a big white duck. Can you say it with me? And I don't mean amen. Aflac. In four years, their sales doubled. A struggling company that by one man risking it all on a duck for his commercial, I guess better than a gecko with somebody else. Why do they all pick these strange animals? But in any event, he became then, after his time uh, with the insurance company there, um, to teach uh, risk management. And one of the things he says, and I quote, never risk a little bit always risk a large bit when the large return is possible. And I thought, well, let me, how can I re-say that? How can I, so I finally said to it, never risk a lot for a little, but when it comes to risking something for Jesus, risk it all. The risk for him is always worth it. And to have the courage to believe and follow him will change your life forever. In fact, sometimes, as these guys would find out, and if you know church history, uh, they were not well received by their brethren. Sometimes it will make you an outcast to follow him. But have the courage to connect. And second, have the devotion to deliver. Criminals would typically be buried in Jesus' day in a common tomb. Because if you buried, let's say somebody in your family had done some criminal thing and you had your family tomb, if you buried that criminal 
relative of yours in your tomb, it would defile your tomb and bring much, you know, angst against your family. So they would be buried with other criminals. So Uncle Joe steps up and says, I got a nice new one on my property. In fact, as we learn in three days, he will find out he gets it back. No longer needed. In new condition. It's like a demo car. There you go. You knew I got a car in there sooner or later. Only has two miles on it. Three miles on it, if you will. But I talked about carrying a lifeless body and 75 pounds. Um, Pilate was so uh, willing to uh, stick it to the uh, Jews, if you will, he allowed this to happen, I'm sure, because he had to have known what was going on. If he had soldiers who would go and find out if he was dead, he would know the soldiers would be saying, they are giving this man a royal send-off. Jewish historians Josephus said that when Herod the Greek died, he had 500 servants carrying the spices for his grave. He also talks about an elder of the church, and I would give you his name, but I can't remember it, and you wouldn't know it. Kind of like the old preacher's joke about, should we have a chandelier? Half of you can't spell it, and the rest of you can't play it. That's an old preacher joke, yeah. Um, that that man was given 80 pounds of spices for his funeral or for his burial. So the amount that Nick at Night is bringing is a royal amount. So what did that cost? Who knows? Modern-day um, commentators, I've seen anywhere from $150,000 to $200,000 of value for those spices. Myrrh is a sap, and it comes from a tree, and they would somehow dry it, pulverize it, make it more into like a resin, if you will, to be joined with aloe, and I have seen, I think we've had an aloe plant at our house. You pull off a piece for a burn, right? And it gives off a smell, so I'm told, of sandalwood, which I think back in the day that was a popular scent that people would have, sandalwood. But they would take those pieces of linen that Joseph brings to. So once again, he has prepared not only the spices, he's got this linen. He didn't start ripping his own clothing apart. And there are some biblical arguments on whether it was a full dressing, you know, or was it pieces like more like a mummy. But remembering Jesus and Lazarus, Lazarus comes from the tomb, and they say, Jesus says, not only come out, he says, unbind him. So those strips, as they had this balm, if you will, applied in my car mind, I'm thinking that's like layers of fiberglass, you know, that have some sort of wetness and then some sort of cloth. Now, I'm not saying it made it like a cast or like something really hard, but what it did, it sealed up the smell. This was not the Egyptian practice of taking embalming and taking the internal organs out and putting the spices in. They simply covered the body with this good smelling stuff because eventually the body would deteriorate, and it would cause a terrible smell. And that's what Nicodemus had prepared. I called it royal wrapping. What is the price of that? I don't know. What is the price of giving up some of your land to have someone outside of your family buried in? Any of you want a tomb for me at your house? No? But if you had a tomb that Jesus was in and came back from the dead, that makes that land priceless, as the old commercials would say. What a phenomenal thing that he did and had no knowledge how his investment in Christ would turn back for him.
Are you devoted enough in Jesus to risk ridicule and rejection? These two men were. Will you deliver when others are against you? These two men were willing to do that. They were given a second chance. Because so many of us are in need of second, third, and fourth chances. And there they had the opportunity to show their devotion to the Savior. Here's a Christmas story that may or may not have sound to it. And if it doesn't, I will uh, try to uh, be the uh, announcer for you. But this is a story of a lady who gets a second chance two Christmases ago. The head of the house would rather be discussing just about anything else. I have a few questions for you. But Sarah Lindgren didn't shy from her inquiry. I knew what I had done was wrong. I knew that. I just didn't care anymore. Weeks earlier, at the start of the holiday season, Sarah was with her daughter sliding groceries across the self-checkout at the Woodbury Walmart. I just didn't have enough. Sarah pulled from her cart and, uh, a family pack of steaks. I didn't have enough for them. And I just bagged them anyways. As I was walking out, I got stopped. I go there sometimes three or four times a day. For shoplifting. For shoplifting, right. Routine for Woodbury police officer Brian Wagner, till it wasn't. Her daughter was upset. Sarah told me that her daughter was autistic. Danielle Lindgren is one of eight family members living with Sarah. The Bills. Sarah. The Bills. Who lost her provider when her husband died. You get to a point where it's like you're drained. You, you can't even think. Contrite, yeah. Sarah assured Officer Wagner she'd never stolen before. I was a little skeptical just because we always have to be. Wrote her citation for theft. Then he returned to his car and ran a background check. There was nothing. She has less speeding tickets than I do. She was 100% honest. An hour or so after arriving home, Sarah received a call from Officer Wagner. Mm -hmm. And your first thought was? He's coming back to get me. He wasn't. Two cans of chili or meat. Officer Wagner had made a stop Two and a half at Christian Covered Emergency Food Shop. Did you get ramen? Okay, got it. These are volunteers who are serving customers every week, but hearing her story really touched them. I think we've got it. Filled the whole back seat, my whole passenger seat, and my whole trunk full of food. Then off to Sarah's house. Knocked on her door. I couldn't believe it. I, I was just like overwhelmed, stunned, um, in disbelief. She began to tell me that I needed to bring it back. She said, I don't deserve this. I committed a crime. How can anybody help me after what I just did? She gave me a hug, probably about two minutes, gave me a hug, cried. And that shoplifting citation? Officer Wagner checked with Walmart before telling Sarah it's gone, throw in the garbage. He made me feel like I wasn't all alone, like I wasn't carrying the whole load by myself. But then Officer Wagner knows something about guardian angels too. Yeah. That's his squad car 18 months ago after a tow truck slammed into him. It was traumatic. Six months out with a brain injury, still not back to work full time. Brian Wagner had more. I guess so. To do. God gives us second chances and got to take advantage of them. Second chances giving flight to our better angels. There's a God out there and he's looking out for me. 
It brought me, <laughs> I got an angel into my life. I will never forget that. I will never forget that. Boyd Hooper, Carol Evan News, Oakdale. She didn't believe that she deserved a second chance. Well, newsflash, none of us do. But the rest of that story, as Paul Harvey would say, is that God gives us all second, third, fourth. He gives us every chance possible to say, I'm here for you. Just believe in the son that I sent for you, for your redemption and your forgiveness of sins. Now, being the uh, Baptist that I am and always a little uncomfortable when people start talking about guardian angels, and I thought, oh, boy, here we go. I said to myself, go back to what the word actually is. In Greek, the word for messenger is angelios, the word we get angel for. So every time you do something in word or in deed, in action or proclamation, in the name and in the love in your heart from Jesus, you are an angel to others when you are a messenger of the good news. So this week and in this season of Advent, have the courage to connect others to Christ and the devotion to deliver what you have to God for his kingdom. Would you stand with me as we pray? Our Father, Jesus was wrapped in a royal fashion, but never enough spices, never enough linen, never enough for the king of kings. And in part, that's why that grave could not contain him. And as we will see in the coming weeks from John, that the property that Joseph donated, he got back unused, unneeded anymore. And Father, if we can take a lesson from that, so many pieces of baggage that we carry in our lives, thinking that you won't forgive us for, you will, if we'll only confess and only believe. In this time of invitation, if there's someone here who is carrying some sort of burden. Let this be the moment in which they turn it over to you. Where there's someone here who just needs to come and pray and we'll join with them and pray together. Help us not to be closet Christians. Not to be seen as actors but always engaged with telling others about who we are connected to and who we are devoted to. This I pray in Jesus' name. Amen.